Hello, and thank you for listening to the MicroBibD podcast. Here, we will be discussing topics in microbial bioinformatics. We hope that we can give you some insights, tips, and tricks along the way. There is so much information we all know from working in the field, but nobody really writes it down. There's no manual, and it's assumed you'll pick it up. We hope to fill in a few of these gaps. My co-hosts are Dr. Nabil Ali Khan and Professor Andrew Page. Nabil is the head of informatics at the Quadrum Institute in Norwich, UK. And Andrew is the director of technical innovation for Theogen in Cambridge, UK. I am Dr. Lee Katz, and I am a senior bioinformatician at Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in Atlanta, in the United States. Welcome back. Uh, we're here at day three of the uh, of GMI, where phage are slowly taking over everything, which is great. Um, being in page and all that. So I'm here with Lee again and Ruth. So Ruth, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, sure. I'm Ruth Timmy. I'm with the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. I run the Genome Tracker Program, FDA's Genomic Epidemiology Program for foodborne pathogens. Awesome. So you're the guys who deposit like hundreds of thousands of salmonella uh, in the public domain? Uh, hundreds of thousands is probably an overestimate, but we, we deposit a lot. Yeah. More than a lot. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, w at one point, I think I was the biggest submitter of Listeria, and then I was like quickly overtaken by Ruth on, on submitter of, of pathogens for, for NCBI. So what do you actually do day to day? I know uh, it's a hard question. <laughs> well, so FDA funds uh, a couple dozen laboratories to sequence data. And, um, and so there's a lot of back and forth with working with them, making sure the data is submitted in the standardized way, and if it's not, you need to update it. So there's a lot of work like that. And then I also work um, a lot of interagency stuff with the U.S., yeah. CDC, USDA. And then on the international side, uh, I work with PHAGE to try to make sure that standards we're putting in place are kind of adopted um, internationally. And you've just been working on the DOM. What is the DOM? Um, the pathogen data object model is this idea that um, whole genome sequence data for any kind of pathogen should be submitted and stored in the same structured format in the INSDC. And you would think this is a very simple idea, mm. and, uh, but you would be surprised at how many different ways you can submit pathogen genome to the INSDC and store metadata in all different locations. And so it's very confusing for submitters and people querying to figure out where that information is. But is this yet another standard, or is it like a standard to rule them all? Well, mm. it would just be one standard within INSDC. And once you set it there, then the third-party apps can kind of just plug into it. You don't have to understand that. You don't have to worry about it. That. Uh, your salmonella standard is going to be different from a virus standard, which is all the same. Oh, that's really cool, actually, yeah. Long overdue. Although, yeah, we should have had that years ago. But, you know, Paige is doing some good work. Yeah, so what was before the DOM model? Like, we were submitting stuff before that. What, how, how does it make things better? Like, how are we doing it before DOM model? So I thought that this had already been said because we had said it for foodborne pathogens a decade ago, and mm. we all plugged into it. We have third-party applications plugged into it, makes submission very easy, makes retrieval very easy. I thought that's how the world worked. Yep. And then with um, then when I started seeing the COVID genomes come in as biosample records only, and people were like, 
smudging metadata onto the flat file and then building like, pipelines to do that and query it. It's like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then no. I realized, actually, in the virus world, that's that's not a standard. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I mean, viruses do everything differently, don't they? Like even naming conventions and everything are totally yeah crazy. Yeah, so if you query viruses in the INSDC, like I don't know, fifty percent of them don't contain a biosample. Oh wow. Actually, yeah, yesterday I was accused of not uploading data um, when I had to INSTC, but it's actually because it's so complicated when you deal with, say, multi-country, multi-institution organizations, and these standards don't necessarily reflect everything, you know, like if one lab gives it to another lab, gives it to another lab, gives it to us to sequence, and we upload, and then it's a huge, big, roundabout way of doing everything. You got a gotcha question yesterday about that. Yeah, yeah, and I did look, and actually was all in there. You know, we had actually submitted our COVID raw data with metadata with a biosample. Uh, with a biosample, yeah. oh. oh, absolutely, <laughs> and with uh, with the consensus genomes as well. You know, a lot of people don't do that, but for some reason, it's not showing up as as it should. You know, and it's you know what you know. I, I think it still doesn't have a biosample. Um... Am I wrong about this? Is Wuhan one? Doesn't have a bias. Yeah, it's, it's just a GenBank yeah. record. I think it's, it's frustrating that when the first one comes in like that, it's really easy just to you know copy that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, hopefully for the next pandemic we will learn some lessons. But one thing I wanted to get into just really quick is is Andrew, you keep saying like so everything is phage here. What are we doing at GMI? And I thought <laughs> I thought maybe Ruth had a good answer to that like where where is the divide i'm not sure i think my emerging thoughts are gmi is a good place to discuss the standards that are being set in other organizations mm -hmm. um, gmi has a strong intergovernmental like, presence here um had good alliance uh good collaborations with who fao um and ministries of health in other countries and you know, one role, and I'm not sure what the future of GMI is, right, but one role could be that we um, look at standards set by groups like PHAGE and then figure out how to implement them in the real world. Yeah. Which I think is a much harder part than just creating the standard. Yeah, I feel like what I'm seeing, I'm agreeing with you, what I'm feeling is like, is PHAGE has like a lot of hands on the technical stuff that nobody's wanted to pay attention to before, like the virus world just now. Um, and that GMI is like the political part of this whole thing where you where they have contacts, how to implement it, how to get uptake from different governments. Yeah. I think that's a really good um, good distinction. Maybe. Maybe um, GMI can just be like a subgroup of phage where you know it's the political subgroup. I've thought mm. about that. I'm not sure politically how that would work. Yeah, It'd be no, a disaster, I, wouldn't it? No comment know. from government people here. <laughs> but it is actually quite nice that uh, there's so much overlap between the two groups. And you know, you got Phage, which is actually getting stuff done, um, and producing papers, producing you know actual functional code, producing specifications, you know, things that are useful to the world. And then GMI obviously is bringing people together to um, to discuss those. And you know, it's a presentation platform. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you very much, Ruth, for talking to us. And yeah, sure. uh, I'm sure we will catch up with you again. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to us at home. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the platform of your choice. Follow us on Twitter at microbinfi. 
And if you don't like this podcast, please don't do anything. This podcast was recorded by the Microbial Bioinformatics Group. The opinions expressed here are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of CDC or the Quadrum Institute.